Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Galita City Councilman Kyle Richards. And I got to say that I haven't been around Galita City Hall lately since the pandemic, but before the pandemic, I was covering it. And I got to say, this man has the greatest voice of elected <laughs> officials that I have heard, just, you know, just deep. And it just sounds like you should be calling baseball games or something. Well, I, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so councilman richards how are you doing today i'm great it's great to be here with you thanks for having me yeah thank you uh i'm so honored that you take some time here uh, to to talk with me and the audience and um, i reached out to you for a couple of reasons one is uh even though the show's called santa barbara talks i love galita i'm a galita resident and i um grew up here uh you know spent a lot of my youth here and I want to talk to you about City of Goleta and all the stuff that is going on uh, in terms of how Goleta is changing and housing, homelessness, Old Town, all the stuff that we're going to get into. And I know you're right sort of in the heart of that. And so we're going to get there. But first, Kyle, I wanted to sort of start the show talking about you and your personal story. Uh, nationally, it's Pride Month, which... Uh, recognizes and, um, you know, sort of uh, takes a moment to, to reflect and appreciate and pause the contributions of the LGBTQ plus community. And I wanted to uh, talk to you about that. You are an openly gay city council member. We don't really see a lot of that in the South Coast and the county. So it's a uh, very <clears throat> brave of you, you know, and you've been out and you ran. And so I wanted to talk to you about that experience. I wonder if we could just sort of lead off Kyle with talking to me about how you came out and how you decided that you were going to uh, just sort of be who you are and uh, what the challenges were in terms of doing that. So we just, you know, talk to me a little about what, what your story is. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, just to say coming out is a process. It's something that happens over and over and over again. And it's, you know, I think, you know, before, before I first started going through that process, it feels like, you know, you're either in or you're out. And once you're out, you know, then that's it. But I, I have a feeling that there may be some people here today listening um, that that didn't know that that I am gay, you know, and I and I, so so I, I think it's interesting, you know, just to think about that as a process and something that's ongoing and something that's a continual thing that I that for people, you know, that are gay, you know, a lot of times we interact with people on the street and people don't necessarily know, you know, or, or it's not a thing or it's not thought about. So, so my, my story, you know, starts, I, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm not originally from here as many people, you know, uh, have moved here. I, I moved here uh, in 97 to the area to start working at UCSB. But before that, I, you know, I grew up, I was raised, all of my family still lives in Pennsylvania. Uh, kind of rural area outside of Philadelphia, Bucks County area. And it was very, you know, I would say, you know, I don't know if the word conservative, you know, or traditional, you know, very, you know, um, kind of old fashioned, very, uh, um, uh, you know, we went to church uh, right down the street from us. And, and that was our, our life. We had a um, kind of farm area that, that we lived in. So, you know, for me, my experience was just going to college, going to Penn State and, and just being open to, uh, a, you know, a, a new world uh, and, and really new possibilities 
that I hadn't thought about before. So, you know, that was really when my coming out story started. That was 1989, that's that spring, you know, and and it, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think one of the things as I was thinking about your questions before today is just how much things were different then and, and there. Um, and then in the same way, you know, uh, how maybe things haven't changed in, in some ways, you know, things seem, seem to, you know, still be difficult and, and for some people and, and everyone has a unique experience. So, you know, for me, um, my parents didn't react very well, you know, initially, you know, my, and I, I should, I'll preface this by saying, you know, now my whole family is very supportive and, you know, I have a very great support network and, and a lot of love, uh, you know, but it, there were some difficult years and, you know, and if you, if you can think back to what 1989 was like, you know, when I, when I first, you know, started having this conversation with my parents, you know, my mom, you know, just for her that, you know, that meant, you know, gay meant that I was going to get AIDS and die. You know, that was pretty much what it felt like back then. You know, this was before any of the treatments for HIV and, you know, and all of the media, you know, coverage about HIV and AIDS was about equating it with being gay, you know, so that was just what that's, you know, the frame of reference that people had, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, my dad, you know, very, again, traditional, you know, very, you know, worried about, I think, how I was going to be treated and, and how that I, you know, other people would react. A lot of my family's reaction was based on fear about how I would be treated, you know, so, you know, there were hard times, but, there, you know, lots of conversations and, you know, just kind of muddling through that. And, you know, I think for them a lot, it was, you know, worried that I was somehow now a different person or not the person that they thought they knew, you know, and so one thing to keep in mind with people coming out is that, you know, this is the person that they are, you know, they're just letting you in on a little more, you know, yeah. about about who they are, and that may be something that you didn't know about them. But it's not like they're a different person or not the person, you know, maybe that you thought they were. So, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's the 80s. So we're coming off of uh, Ronald Reagan, two terms as president, and then first Bush as president. And it was definitely a time where the the nation, by 1989, it was a little better, but definitely there was this perception that it was a, that if you were gay and you were a man, that it would lead to AIDS. Um, and it took some celebrities to sort of come out and talk about their HIV diagnosis before it mm -hmm. became an issue where it was like, oh, we should probably invest in some research into a cure for this um, since now other people are affected. Sadly, it took that. Yeah, um, I always get uh, shaken up when I read Ryan White's obituary. I don't know if you remember him, but he had hemophilia and he uh, had a blood transfusion and he contracted AIDS in the 80s. And um, just the, the, the discrimination that occurred toward him and his family, they would not let him go to school because uh, they didn't know how this disease would be contracted or how it could be shared. And uh, there was this, uh, the, the, his, his news obit talks about how when his mother would go to the store, the cashiers would throw the change at her. They would not hand it to her because they didn't want to want to touch her. And so it was a very different era uh, back then in terms of sharing that information. And, and I'm, like how you said, you know, sort of it's a, it's a process. Well, uh, did you, uh, 
sit down at the kitchen table and tell your parents, I want you to know this, or was it, was it something you kind of gave signals to and kind of let them know and say, they're going to figure this out on their own. And then I'll confirm, or can you talk about that? I know there are people who, um, you know, for everyone, it's a different experience. So there's the different methods. And so how did you sort of finally broach it with them? Yeah, actually, uh, it, they broached it with me. Uh, it, it, really, my my story with them was that they were picking me up from college to take me back home for the summer. That was that was that spring. Um, they met some of my friends at, that I had made at the time and who were gay. And, you know, they were very, you know, I guess, kind of stereotypical, you know, and so you would meet these people. And I think they were making assumptions that happened to be true, I think, you know, that, that, you know, my friends were gay. And so I think it just kind of planted that seed. So then a, a couple of weeks after we got home, you know, my mom sat me down and, you know, said, I, I have something really important to tell, ask you. And so she asked me, and at that point, I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to, you know, be evasive. And so I just, as hard as it was, I just said, well, yeah, I am. And, you know, she started crying. She said it was the worst thing I ever told her. You know, it was like, I was kind of hoping that if she was ready to ask the question, maybe she was ready to hear the answer. But um, it, it didn't, you know, that was, that was a rough time. You know, I have to say, you know, that was, there were struggles, you know, and, and, and as hard as it was for me, I have to say, there are so many people who have it so much worse, you know, that, you know, there are people, there were, there are children who get kicked out of the house, you know, if their parents would find out, um, there are people who were disowned and, and, and just, you know, and, and it's heartbreaking just to hear about those stories and, you know, and, and I'm lucky, you know, I, I, I have a, a loving, supportive family that, you know, that was able to stick in there with me and, and work through it and, you know, and not let, you know, the stereotypes and, and some of the, you know, messages, you know, get in the way of, of us and our relationship. Yeah. And what about the positive, Kyle? Uh, how did you change? What changed for you the moment you were able sort to sort of unload that and let your parents know, uh, how did you in the future, in the future, how did you move on for that? What, what was good about it? Yeah, uh, it, it really was a liber a liberating experience. It, it, you know, it's, it's an experience that it, it's freeing. It, it, it allowed me to shed a lot of guilt or fear or, um, you know, whatever, uh, worry about people finding something out about me. And it's so much easier when you're able to just be open and honest and, you know, and live, you know, a, a congruent with, you know, what your feelings are and your values and, and be open about it. I mean, that that's a, a, an incredibly freeing experience. And I'm really glad to have gone through that, you know, and, and to continue to go through that because, you know, that really allowed me to be, it, it, you know, it, it feels, you know, to me, it's about integrity and about just being honest with myself and with other people and not having to feel like I need to hide that, you know, and I, I really do believe that that led to more, uh, you know, deeper relationships, friendships, you know, the, the, the people that I, that I am, you know, have relationships with then know that about me and, and I, and, and, and support me and, and respect that. And so it, it, that to me is very valuable to be able to have that, those more meaningful kinds of relationships.
Hey everyone, thanks for taking some time to watch this interview with Goleta City Councilman Kyle Richards. We're gonna get right back to this great conversation in just a minute. But first, I wanna bring you just something quick from our sponsor, the Walla Festival. We're gonna have a conversation with Wade Cooper, Paula Fan, who are the founders of this event. It's coming up Saturday, June 11th, starts at 4 p.m. And they're gonna tell you all about it. So let's check out this short conversation with them and then we're going to come right back to kyle richards and keep talking about all the great stuff happening in the city of galita thanks a lot hey i'm here with wade cooper and paula fan and they're going to talk a little bit about this incredible event coming up on saturday june 11th to benefit the sarah house it's called the walla festival wade paula you got a big deal going on. Can you take a couple of minutes to talk about what this event is about and what it means to the community? So uh, Walla was originated, or that idea originated um, on the idea that we just never wanted to get married, but we also wanted to, you know, throw a big party. And on top of that, we also just didn't need another toaster. So we just wanted to find a way to make it, you know, make something out of it. So um, because we're board members of Sarah House, we wanted this to be a benefit concert for Sarah House. Great. Yeah. So tell us tell us a little bit about Sarah House. Yes. Sure. I um, uh, Sarah House is an incredible place. It's really a one of a kind hospice facility in the country. It is a uh, social model hospice house at the corner of Las Positas and Modoc that serves people um, who a lot of times would not otherwise be able to afford a hospice. So we've had everything from folks who have uh, mental health issues who can't be placed in other hospice houses to uh, homeless veterans to uh, incredible locals who just families uh, need some help. The house originated uh, in the 80s as AIDS hospice because in the 80s, um, during the AIDS scare, uh, a lot of hospice facilities would not let AIDS patients into their hospice facilities. And so Sarah Shoresman opened uh, Sarah House as uh, a means to um, allow those folks who were dying of AIDS to have the, the level of care and love that they needed and deserved um, in their final days. And from there, it's uh, the obviously with sort of uh, the AIDS scare dying off a little bit, um, we've expanded our mission, but still continue to um, serve folks who are living with HIV AIDS as well as the greater Santa Barbara and really California community. That's amazing. Can you talk about what the festival is and what people can expect who are going to participate? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have um, three bands. Um, first is going to be a band from Austin called the Greyhounds. Second is going to be Crush Club and they're from New York. But lastly, it's going to be the most favorite local band, Spencer the Gardener. With some, with some special guests. With some special guests, mm. right. Uh, and then also we have two food trucks. One is Moni's, Santa Barbara, which is going to be awesome. And then Chef's Touch um, Catering, which he actually does a lot of his catering um, in Los Olivos. And it's, think of like the best barbecue. He's got a sweet barbecue rig. He's coming down. They're smoking meats all day. We're going to have brisket, ribs. All, all the barbecue stuff we're going to have there. It's going to be awesome. And then, uh, and then of course, Criminal, yep. which is uh, um, affiliated with your choice, but they're going to be donating all of their amazing, delicious ice cream. So awesome flavors, local artisanal ice cream. He's got uh, 
Thai iced tea Oreo, which if you haven't had it, you got to get it while you're there. It's to die for. Unbelievable. Well, Thai, Thai iced tea, that, that is definitely going to get me there. Oh, yeah. I've no, never... you got it. You got to try it. It's, with it's Oreo. Awesome. With Oreo. With Nothing Oreo. better hot. It, it looks I like it's going to be a beautiful that. day. Nice June day. Stand outside, listen to some great music. Have, uh, have some, uh, some Thai iced tea Oreo ice cream under the sun. Listen to some great tunes. Yeah. So... So this sounds like a, a really amazing effort and community festival. Can you two talk about why this was so important as a way for you two to sort of celebrate you being partnered? Why there's a million ways you could celebrate that and show that, but why is this issue with Sarah House such so important to you? And, and you know, why are you on the board? Can you talk a little bit about why this matters to you so on such a personal level? Oh, oh uh, yeah. So, I mean, a few years ago, my both my mom and grandfather passed away at another hospice facility in, in Santa Barbara. And at some point I was just uh, playing basketball. I met this guy, Chris, and he said he had a kind of a similar story. And he said, hey, come down to Sarah House. I'm on the board. I think you'd, you'd really be interested in it. Check it out. And I went down there and just first day I was there, I said, whatever I can do, let me know. Uh, this is unbelievable, you know, to provide the same level of care, but for people who can't afford it. Uh, I just thought this is, this is really God's work and it's an incredible place. And I kind of, uh, I kind of dragged, dragged Paula into it. We, we actually together, we emceed the, um, our last Fun, you know, event. fundraising event, 2019. Yeah. 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 So we've been involved for a while. But um, in addition to that, I, I wasn't really familiar with hospice care at all. And then just to, you know, for someone who works in um, the medical industry, there's always need for especially low-income patients. So giving them access to that sort of care is really important. And then when you listen to the stories and the people who work, like Paloma, who is a huge part of um, Sarah House, listening to how patient and helpful and understanding she is, it's to another level of empathy that I wish I can attain. But um it's incredibly just like an angelic story that it's just great to be a part of um, and, you know, to benefit the community. I just want to say Paul is the most empathetic person I know. So <laughs> don't sell yourself. Short. <laughs> okay. Well, this sounds like a tremendous event. It's Saturday, June 11th. Uh, what's, give us the details. What time does it start? How do people find out about it? The website, everything. Yeah. Starts at, starts at 4 PM. Uh, Spencer goes on at five. So be there early. Uh, we got a full bar, uh, you know, full bar cocktails. We got some some signature cocktails, craft cocktails going on. We've got a, a VIP area. Um, and if you want to find out more information, there will be a Sarah House booth there too. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Donate, but um, the website is www.wallafest.com. Check it out. You can check out our story, check out more information about Sarah House, but you can also donate and purchase tickets there. Yeah wallafest.com and i'm sure josh will put a, a link down insert link here down here of course <laughs> right anything for wade and paula so great <laughs> thank you for your time and good luck with thanks, your thank thanks you. josh we'll see you there you know and it's such a a, a product of our era too you know the, the sort of that you're coming out story in 2022 do you think kyle that uh 
it even has to be a thing? Do you have to like tell people or can, is it possible just to live your life and people who need to know, need to know. And if you don't need to know, you don't need to know it's none of your business. Um, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but do you think we've advanced to the point where we can just not even care unless, you know, it matters to us in, in any specific way? You know, I'd like to think so. And in some ways, maybe yes. You know, there are many days that I, I, that I don't think about it or, or think about what people think about me, you know, that, that, that happens. Um, but there are, you know, there, there's there's blatant homophobia that still exists and and you know and I'll just mention you know there there was uh, you may remember you know uh, Ethan Bertrand elected official from uh, Isla Vista who got harassed on State Street you know walking around downtown mm-hmm. and you know part of that harassment was based on section you know there were uh, uh, slurs you know that were used against him it happens you know there are there's it's it, it can be blatant it can be subtle you know there's mumbling under people's breaths there's talking behind people's backs. I mean, that that still happens. So, you know, in, in one way, you know, but in another way, it, it doesn't uh, seem to affect me as much. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, things, you know, part of the reason I moved here to California and to Goleta, you know, and I think this speaks to the to the area, you know, and to the people that are here is that it is a very accepting place. And I think overall, um, it, 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 you know, people are very open and and. And, and, and it's, it doesn't seem to be a, a large impediment. You know, I'll just throw in, you know, when I was running, it, my, my first election was in 2016. That, that was a concern, a concern for me. You know, I was thinking like, oh, okay, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what a, any opponent might try to dig up or what they might try to use against me and, you know, or someone that just doesn't like you, you know, might want to, you know, try to say, make an issue out of something like that. You know, and I was, you know, I was aware of it as I was concerned about it. I thought about it. I didn't let it stop me, but it was on my mind. Of course, yeah, I, I you know, th- these things happen. And, and you know, more often, I, I, I should say, than the outright homophobia is just the kind of subtle heterosexism, you can call it, you know, this assumption that that someone is heterosexual unless they tell you otherwise. And so I, I get that a lot. You know, people ask me, you know, you check into a hotel room or something and they want to know, you know, is your wife with you? Or, you know, you know, a lot of questions about your wife, you know, I get that. And it's like, no, but you know, I have a husband, you know, I can, <laughs> I'll mention that. And, and I don't do it in a way to try to, you know, like be mean about it or to throw it in their face or, or whatever you want to say, but just to, you know, be real and be honest. Like, no, that's not me, but you know, here, this is me. Yeah. So. Yeah. The default, the standard is you're heterosexual, you know, that's kind of where everyone starts. And then if you're not, then um, it's something that's different. And that's kind of the paradigm that's shifting, right? You know, it's just yeah. the same thing with pronouns is, you know, you shouldn't have to be able to just say your pronoun if you identify as something else. The idea is that uh, you say your pronouns because there's no built-in inherited assumption that the standard pronoun is something. It's it's different for everybody. We need to treat it equally, you know. And yeah. so that's that's kind of where our, our country is, is shifting. It's it's a fight and a battle every day we read about it. You know, there's always something going on. But you picked, uh, obviously... No one in Santa Barbara County, I hope not, I don't think, I've never seen it, talks, goes personal about people's 
personal lives and in campaigns in that sort of way. And I don't, I think it's kind of like off limits. You, you can, you can stretch the truth on everything else, but when it comes yeah. to people's personal lives, there seems to be a little bit of deference and respect that that's off limits. So, so Kyle, how did you get into, uh, to government? What, what was your story? How did you get from college and eventually in, going into Goleta and moving into Goleta and running for city council? Was that your your dream one day? Was I want to be in the good land or a little small town and uh, be on, on the city council? Or how did you get there? Yeah, I, I have, it, it, that was a hard decision for me, I have to say. No, I, no, I have not always dreamed of being in political office. I, um, I have not always thought or, or really, you know, before that first, before 2016, which is the year that I ran, you know, I had never, I had not even considered that I would ever do that. That was not something that was on my radar. Um, at the time, I was, I was serving on the Goleta Parks and Recreation Commission. That was, uh, the, uh, the commission was established in 2013. And so I had been on it for a few years. And that was really, where I started, you know, paying more attention to what was happening in Goleta and, you know, things that I was noticing and, and that that kind of like maybe, you know, laid the groundwork and planted some seeds for me. Um, but, you know, growing up, I, I, I think from my experience, you know, it's always I've always felt a, a need to serve the community. I think, it, you know, just be, to be uh, participate in volunteer projects. Um, to, you know, I, I was involved with Rotary as, as a kid and um, just wanting to to do, you know, pick up trash. I mean, there were all kinds of things that I would uh, do to try to just be, I think that was instilled in me and from my family, from my my community, that that was important, that your community is important, that that you, you want to be an active and contributing member to whatever community that you live in. And, and I, and I brought that with me here, you know, I, that, that, that's something that, you know, after living here, I moved here in 97, you know, so I've, I've seen many changes. I have, I was not born and raised here, but I've been here long enough to, to see the place transform. And, you know, and I, and I grew up, I, I should mention, you know, where I came from is, is a pretty rural area. And now when I go back, I see it, it changing there. You know, there are farms that are now developments and, you know, a lot of barns that used to be there are now, you know, bread and bed and breakfasts, you know, things like that. And, and it's, it's, the, the, it's changed. And so I felt this kind of desire to hold on to those aspects of a community that I appreciate, that I value, and that I think, you know, are worthy of being retained, you know, but as, you know, as time marches on, you know, we can't stop the clock, you know, things are going to change, you know, I don't think the idea is that we, we just make it, you know, like it was 200 years ago or whatever, but uh, I think we have to be thoughtful about those elements of our, of our community that we want to hold on to and, and what's important to us. Yeah, what did your parents do? Uh, so my mom was a school teacher. Well, she, she went to college and was a school teacher. And then when she started having children, then she stopped that. And my dad and his dad were grave diggers. That was our family profession. And my brother is, was a grave digger too. So, Holy yeah, cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is a, you know, rural community. So there were probably like 30 different cemeteries in the area that, that the, you know, the, 
that he would get called to go and dig a grave. So, you know, he was a, a self-employed, uh, you know, it was his own business. You know, he took out loans to buy the equipment and the backhoes and the trucks and, you know, and worked six or seven days a week usually, you know, so yeah, he was a hardworking guy. And is that a, is that if you're, is that a, a lucrative industry? No, I don't you know. know. I, I, I didn't never felt that way to us. <laughs> we were right. pretty, you know, middle class. I would say, you know, it was a pretty, you know, we we were okay. We were taken care of. It wasn't a, you know, it, it wasn't a big money making thing. Did you ever help dad out on a job? Did All the time. Yeah, I was out there driving dump trucks and. Uh, 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 digging, helping dig and planting, replanting the sod and, and, and laying tombstones down and yeah, wow. all that, all that stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a story. A lot of people are not going to have in common with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know how relatable this is to a lot of people. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So, so you went to school for what, what did you get your degrees in? It was, uh, I got a BS in environmental studies okay. at, at Penn State. And then I stayed there for grad school and I got an, a master's in education as well. Okay. And did so, UCSB bring you out here or how did you find Galena? I, I, I took a stop up and I worked in San Jose for a, a year at San Jose State. And then I didn't really like it there. It was too big of a city. And I, I was looking for a more a smaller community, something that felt more familiar to me. And I found my way here. I, you know, I wasn't really planning. I didn't look to come to Santa Barbara or UCSB or Goleta, but I, I came and I, I, I thought I'd stay for a few years and then head back. But I, I just I grew roots and I established myself here and, you know, built connections and made makes it real hard to leave. Yeah. Yeah. If when you grow up here, you tend to think I can't wait to get out, you know, go see the real world. Yeah. Then you go see the real world and you're like, I need to get back. I didn't know how lucky I had it. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, if you can do that, a lot of people yeah. come back. I worked in the Bay Area for a couple of years too. San Jose, San Jose City Hall. I uh, was a city hall reporter. So oh. when, I, when I'm uh, breathing down your neck in aggressive reporter mode, you know, asking <laughs> you the tough questions and you're like, who is this guy? It's just, <laughs> I had to do it in the big city, you know, so uh -oh. I'm used to being, being tough. Um, on uh, elected officials, you know, so yeah, but yeah, you're right. The Bay Area, man, it, you could go a place, you know, that's five miles away and it takes you 45 minutes because there's so much traffic, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you get to Goleta, you said in 1997, is that when, mm -hmm. you know, what do you remember about that time? And we're going to get into the present in a second, but what? So, is Gersh Park, uh, Camino Real, is that built yet? Probably no, not. No, I remember a field. I remember an open space in that corner. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, that, that was built soon after that. I, I moved here, you know, so we I had sold none that. of that housing that we have, um, right? Yeah. So what stood out to you about the community at that time when you sort of looked around and said, I like this place? Um, well, even then it felt very unaffordable you know, <laughs> in terms of like trying to stay, you know, I, I was lucky. My first couple jobs at UCSB included housing and that helped a lot. I was a resident hall director uh, in San Nicolas Hall and out in San Inez apartments. So I, so I had jobs that provided that. So I was again, very fortunate. Um, you know, of course the natural beauty, the weather, you know, the, you know how I, I I love the outdoors, and that's something that I grew up with, and it's really easy to find that here. And you know, any any day of the year, it, it's great to be outside here. Yeah. So, and the people, you know, it's like people that are here just seem happy, and they seem to really like being here. You know, so 
I always, I, I love the community. Yeah. So in what, so 97, so less than 25 years, we've got hotels, right? You know, store Collister, we've got more housing. We have Camino Real, we've got Gersh Park, which is a great place for recreation in town. Yeah. And we have uh, Target, right? We had Kmart there for <laughs> years. And uh, finally, yeah, I remember was- the, the former uh, um, campaign, if you will, the, to try to get the other the target before that didn't yeah. uh, that didn't pass. But, you know, we got our target eventually, though. Yeah, was yeah. they going to put it where the, the, the athletic club is or the gym yeah. there? Yeah, that right. was one of the sites and that didn't work out. And now we have it. And it's like, how did we ever live without it? You know, it's just like <laughs> you want to see somebody, you know, go to go to target. Um, so. Talk to me about how the conversation started that you wanted to maybe run for Goleta City Council. Did somebody approach you or did you approach maybe the Democratic Party or how, how did that get going? You know, I I was following the news and, and you know, I think the, the things that you were just talking about, you know, the, the growth, the, the the development and the traffic and, you know, and I think... I, I was just concerned about what I was seeing happening in the community. Like that was something that I was uh, noticing and I felt a connection to, you know, uh, the community that I found when I got here and I could already feel that changing. And I just, I felt like I wanted to do something about it. I, I, I wanted to um, be involved and, and be a part of that decision process and, and, you know, help, help, help plan the growth of a community in a more thoughtful way and in, in a way that, that, that preserves the quality of life for us here. But, uh, you know, we need more housing. We know that, but we have to do it in a way that's thoughtful and, and reduces the impacts on the existing community and doesn't just overwhelm a place. Um, so, like I said, I was on the parks and rec commission. I, I had attended uh, a couple workshops that, that there was this uh, Goodland coalition that had put on a couple uh, series of workshops about running for city council. And it was, you know, uh, like just kind of informational type things. And I went there, honestly, I really, in my mind was thinking like, oh, I want to just go and check it out. You know, I wasn't like thinking that I was going to be that person, but I, I thought, oh, I would meet other people that are also concerned. I thought of it as a way to, you know, just be involved and, and to find other people of, you know, that, that I could relate to and, and share those concerns. And, and really it was hoping there was, there was one person I met that I was like really thinking like, oh, he'd be great. I, I, I want to, you know, put my support behind him. He'd be somebody that I would want to support. And then later found out that he chose not to run for city council. And then, and then I was in this kind of dilemma, like, well, you know, somebody needs to do something. It, it really was a lot of soul searching for me, like this feeling of like somebody needs to step up somebody needs to do something and i i didn't want it to be me i i really i don't i honestly don't really crave the spotlight i i don't um enjoy a lot of attention a lot of times i you know and and I, so i just kind of had to reach within myself and and you know push myself to do something that didn't feel very comfortable and it really i i have to say like that decision that i made to run was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. You know, just like, do I want to do this? Do I want to put myself out there? Do I want to be in the public eye and, 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 and bring on all of that, all what that may mean. And, and I, you know, and that was hard. I, I didn't really want to do that. You know, I didn't want, 
I didn't want to do that part of it, but I did want, I, I wanted something to happen. I wanted something to change. I wanted to be, you know, uh, doing something that I felt was needed. So. Yeah. Yeah. So who was that person who didn't run? You're going to out them here or no, no. Oh, oh I, I, I've told many people it was Bob Miller. Um, it was uh, Robert Miller who then I later appointed oh. as my planning commissioner. So okay. yeah, the yeah, city I, college, right? Then yeah, and then he up. and then he I encouraged him to run for the the uh, the position at City College as well. So yeah, he did that, and yeah. So I I'm glad to see that he continued to be involved, you know, and and you know was is still a, a contributing person in our community. So yeah, yeah. So so your story is really uh, amazing. One like here you are, you're just sort of in the community, and you care, and you have this sort of. Uh, interest and background in public service and you're paying attention to what's going on in the community and you decide let me go to this meeting and maybe I'll meet other people like-minded people who are concerned about civic discourse and all yeah. of a sudden you're like well maybe maybe I'm the one who should run and and do it you know and a lot a lot of people have those ideas but it's hard to get elected it, I mean it's it's the, it takes all of this combination of, of uh, you know money message organization timing. Yeah. And, yeah, and those so, were the things that I was really worried about, too. You know, I didn't know anything, I, you know, about campaigning. I didn't know anything about what it would take. I mean, I didn't know how much I would have to raise any of that. I, I was not that tuned in. I wasn't that connected to anything. I, I was a registered Democrat, but I was not involved in Democratic politics at that time. I wasn't, you know, uh, in the party, you know, apparatus or anything I, I later then I, I did that was one of the first endorsements I did seek and that was really helpful that was instrumental for me you know to get their support and their vote of confidence you know that I you know was something you know I offered something that that represented something that they could support and that they would get behind and I, I appreciate that you know I, and you know that and then other endorsements you know and then it kind of felt fell in and and yeah and and yeah in many ways you're a prototype democrat party candidate you know i just like kind of got a lot of uh qualities traits and skills that are in sync with the democratic party platform did you ever do anything with your voice kyle am am i crazy here am i making this up like should you not have been a broadcast journalist? <laughs> Has anyone ever told you this before? No, <laughs> I I I try singing and I, you know, but I don't know that my singing voice. And maybe I should. I I picked. I, I should have tried broadcasting. Maybe, but yeah. <laughs> no, never done anything like that professionally. No. I am friends with uh, Jim Sirianni, though, who I think has a, a great uh, radio announcer voice. So uh, you may know Jim from from the radio anyway. So he, uh, I, I, I always tell him he's got a great voice. Yeah, you should do audio books if you ever, you know, need to make money on the side. Just, you know, <laughs> um, but let's talk about Galita. OK, so you've seen it change. And uh, obviously, I'm a Galita resident and Stork and Hollister. I mean, every time I drive through there, it's, I'm always like, you know, I can't believe I've got to wait five minutes. I used to only wait one. No, I know it's like privileged problems here, but you know, there's an impact here in terms of transportation that we see, particularly because we're near the university and this part of Galita is very congested and impacted. Los Caneros development, Hollister village development, lots of new housing. Um, what's your take on the city of Goleta? Are we are we done for a while with new housing? We really can't be because we've got the state pressure, 
but where are we going to put it? Uh, what are your thoughts here looking out and where do you want to see housing go? You know, well, we have a project in the pipeline right now here, Heritage Ridge. So that, that, that's at the planning commission right now. And, yeah. um, and that's already been through the design review board. That's Los and, Carneros area, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, right near city hall. Yeah. Los Carneros, right where the freeway is. So that's like, um, you know, I forget how many 300 and some units, um, a, a third of which are affordable. So that's, I have to say that that's a, a nice, uh, you know, a perk of that project that, you know, I'm still following it. And I know that there are some issues regarding environmental concerns and its proximity to some environmentally sensitive habitat area. Um, hopefully I, I believe that we can work those out. So, so we're looking at that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, then that, that area that was part of our general plan that had been laid out as, as part of, you know, what was kind of uh, looking to, you know, to see uh, housing. I think we we need to focus a lot more on you know different types of alternative transportation and 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 having ways that people can get around uh, out of their car whether it's all you know the bus system, um, bike bicycle infrastructure you know we passed our bicycle pedestrian master plan a few years ago and we have uh, we're taking on some new projects getting people out of their cars. Uh, we've, uh, we're, we're looking at our a train depot project and, and hopefully uh, uh, you know, providing opportunity for commuters to commute to Goleta. You know, a lot of the traffic concerns that we have are because we don't have enough housing here. And so we have people driving you know, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles to work here. And then you know, that adds more traffic on our roads as well. So, you know, I think getting the people here in a way that's, uh, you know, uh, an, uh, different alternatives uh, to out of their car is going to help. So, you know, uh, but you're right. I think we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to have to look at infill projects. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of open space anymore that we're going to be looking to put in large development projects that, that we just don't have uh, that space. Uh, that there are a, a small, a few small places that have been identified, but not a whole lot at this point. Uh, we did uh, look at our um, ADU um, you know, issues, and, and I think that that may be a piece of the puzzle, you know, trying to get encourage more housing by having more ADUs and that that will spread out the kind of housing. It won't concentrate it into any specific area, but it'll allow it to uh, grow. And it will also allow people to, you know, retain their, their house and, and, you know, add supplemental income as, as people or as people age and, you know, it provides an opportunity for them to perhaps downsize and rent out the main house. I mean, there's a lot of different models or, or rent to, uh, you know, use it as rental income, you know, et cetera. But I, I think there's, there's a lot, a lot of different pieces. And I think at this point, we're kind of looking at all the pieces, you know, we need to um, figure out any kind of way that we can to add this housing wherever we can. You know, we're going through our, our regional housing needs assessment. This is the state mandated process. So we're looking at these questions right now. These are the things that we're looking at. And I know one of the ideas that was thrown out there would be uh, looking at commercial zoning and perhaps allowing or encouraging more um, residential and commercial areas. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really studied that that much, but I'm, I'd like to learn more about it and, and see what, you know, the planning commission 
discussions look like and what, you know, what our community thinks about that, but that may be a possibility as well. Some mixed use housing on commercial area. Yeah, and I told council member James Cariaco this is you guys will always have my vote if as long as you never develop that Bishop Ranch area, which is mm. between what Los Caneros and Stork. Yep. I love looking at that. It's open space. It's just rolling hills. If that's ever housing, I think that's you know gonna be the, yeah. the, the end for a lot of locals in Galita. Yeah, well, and and thank goodness for our G, you know, measure G 2012 that was passed that 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 requires uh, agricultural parcels of, of 10 acres more to go to a vote of the people to develop that. So that, that, you know, that is, a, that was a huge win for our community to preserve that. It doesn't mean that it won't or can't ever be developed, but if it, if it does, it would have to be part of some kind of larger land swap or, you know, putting a big portion of it aside, you know, so it's not to say that no development will ever happen on that, but if it does, it, it will be something that the community will have to support uh, in, in order to make it pass. Yeah, and that's going to be a long time from now, I think, if that ever happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, let's talk about Old Town, Galita. Uh, you know, we have Galita sort of the tale of two worlds. Uh, we've got so much commercial uh, development. You know, the Camino Real is new, newish. Uh, Hollister Village is new. Uh, where Target is, that store is new. The shopping center's been around. And so there's a lot of retail activity going on in old town Galita. We do have retail. We have a lot of mom and pop restaurants. We have businesses that serve the community there, uh, the residents who live there. And obviously other people go in town to shop at various, uh, you know, Santa Cruz market or any of the other places there. And it looks kind of like it has always looked right. It's, it's sort of stuck in time to some degree. It's very busy. It's very successful, I think, in terms of its uh, its uh, commercial retail uh, uh, base. But it doesn't look like, you know, some other recently redeveloped areas could look like. I was going to say State Street, but State Street kind of looks like a mess right now, too. But, you know, it's, it looks like it's kind of stuck in time. And I know Galita's talking about making some changes to the streets there. Can you talk a little bit about just big picture what's old town going to look like uh possibly down the road in terms of the infrastructure yeah well so let me start with saying you know the infrastructure really you know we need we need to lay the infrastructure and have that established to make you know uh to uh, as a foundation to grow on and 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 that's what we have been doing over the last several years you know there there's a long list of projects that i can go through you know johnny d wallace park you know right at the top uh, our sidewalk uh, infrastructure project and you know i don't know if you how much time you spend or your viewers spend going through the residential area you know between hollister and um the freeway the, the railroad track but you know before we finished our project, you know, many blocks in that neighborhood did not have a sidewalk on either side of them. And now, you know, every block in Old Town has sidewalk on at least one side, you know, so without a sidewalk, you can imagine that, you know, we'd have parents, you know, pushing baby strollers down in the middle of the street, you know, we'd have um, seniors you know, with walkers walking down in the middle of the street. I mean, because there was no sidewalk. So that these are the kinds of things that infrastructure, the um, 
the, the rest restoration of the fields in back of the community center. There's a there's a, 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 a field there by the Boys and Girls Club that we redid uh, of last year. Yeah. You know, these are the kinds of things that kind of lay the foundation by the, by the pickleball fields. So. Yeah. And the pickleball right next to the pickleball court, you know, and that, you know, I, good for them that, you know, this is like a grassroots organization of pickleball community people that just, you know, banded together. And, you know, there was this upswelling of support for what they do. I mean, we, we did have some concerns about noise that we were hoping to, that we've addressed or that we're going to monitor uh, from the, you know, on the impact on the, local neighbors there but you know it's vibrant if you go by there you know now you can look in and see that there's a community of people and these are people that are coming into old town you know having coffee at old town coffee and eating at the restaurants and you know and contributing to the economy as well as creating community at the same time so so that these are the kinds of things that we've been focusing on our community center itself you know we have an eight million dollar project that we're uh, about to embark on uh, and this will just be seismic and ada improvements you know so it might not be very visible you know you're, it's not gonna, at, at this stage i know eight million dollars is big but it's it's the bones of the building that we need to concern ourselves with and making sure that the infrastructure there that the you know that that we have a lot to build on from there and then and we're about to go into a, an old town visioning process and i'm really excited about this because i think this will get to some of the things that you're talking about more like the aesthetics of old town you know and we may look you know i i don't know what will be on the table but you know we, we may want to consider some design you know guidelines um you know i i, I know of a, um somebody uh, from the audubon society that's been working on a mural project that wants to put you know different murals on, on different buildings i think you know the, most of them are privately owned buildings so we need to get some buy-in from the owners but we already did get that from Alfie's, you know, when it was Alfie's uh, right by the community center, they agreed to allow uh, part of the mural that's on that wall, you know, that that was on their private property. So there's a model for that. There's a there's a mural that, that's on the side of the Santa Cruz market, you know, so I, I think, you know, these are the kinds of things that that will help, you know, Old Town. Uh, we have the the roundabout infrastructure uh, project that's that's, uh, you know, and along with that, we're looking at the Equil um, extension so that will connect uh, Kellogg and, and have a, a, another alternative route. And this is really important because it will provide an alternative for people riding going through Old Town if you want, you know, to get from one side to the other. And, you know, right now Hollister's pretty much the main way to get from one side to the other. But having one come out at Equil, which is right over in, near the industrial area, right off of Fairview. Um, and connect to Kellogg, that will provide access, anyone coming from the airport, it will it provide access to the UPS trucks that come right off of Pine, you know, that they won't have to be going through and Santa Barbara Airbus, you know, these are some businesses in that area that will be able to, you know, use the, these alternative routes, you know, to get them off of the, the main drag that on, on Hollister. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I think that there are a lot of cosmetic and aesthetic improvements that we that we can look at that would really help. You know, another one that we're looking at with um, our complete streets uh, project is is wider sidewalks that that I think would be a big uh, boon for the businesses, you know, to be able to have some, you know, patio sidewalk areas, you know, maybe some benches or some things that invite people to spend more time, you know, and to linger, you know, like that, you know, instead of having people come into Old Town, 
and just do a shopping at one, you know, at Larry's Auto and then leave, you know, maybe they come and then they get coffee or they stop at a restaurant or they do a couple things, you know, in, at, while they're there and providing more of an experience that people can, you know, come and spend some time there. Yeah, that, all that's that's great. It's, it's so many things when you list them that Galita has done and is doing to, uh, to just sort of make make the community more inviting for for a lot of people. Is that angled parking narrowing from four lanes to two, one in each direction, still a proposal? Is that still on the table? Yeah, we're looking at this next week. So um, this is on our agenda for Tuesday. Okay. Timely yeah. <laughs> question. Um, there's uh, there's three options, and this is what's the, what we're pursuing right now is it's an interim uh, restriping project. And so this was a we have a complete streets project that was the one that I mentioned that will eventually widen the sidewalks and and put in some more hard more hardscaping and and more. Um, uh, permanent types of things. But this project that we're looking at is more of an interim. So it's kind of like we're, we're putting our, you know, we're, we're going to test the waters and, and see, and, and, see, and, and the great thing is, is that if, if it just doesn't work, you know, it will provide an opportunity for us to reevaluate it and to make additional changes or maybe go back or, or do something different, you know, so because it, it really is just going to be paint on the ground and, and maybe a few planters and some other things. Um, but the angle parking is, uh, there's three proposals that we're looking at. I think angle parking is a part of two of them. Um, all of the all of the proposals we're looking at will add a bike lane, a designated uh, bike lane through Old Town. And, you know, if you think about it, the, the, the State Street Hollister Corridor, all the way from the pier to the Bacara, you know, this is basically the only area along that whole strip that you don't have a designated bike lane. This is an area where as a bike rider, you're expected to ride in the street, you know, with car doors that are opening from the parked cars and cars trying to pass you. And, you know, I, I'm a bicyclist and I ride this regularly. It's my neighborhood. I, you know, and I, you know, I, it's scary. It's scary sometimes. And I certainly, you know, wouldn't, if, you know, want, recommend parents having their children to do this. I mean, that would be scary. If I had a kid, I don't think that I would, you know, I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable with that. And, you know, the old town, uh, the, the business, commercial, cultural center of our city should be open to everyone. It should, we should feel comfortable having our children ride their bikes through through this area, you know? So, so I think adding a bike lane is really a number one priority, you know, just to make it safer for everyone. You know, there, there, there may be some pain, you know, in, in reducing the lanes from four to two. So we, we are looking at other things like, for example, timing the lights, you know, so that they're timed so that the traffic, um, you know, is, it keeps going. Um, there's some other, um, you know, we'll be looking at some planters and some other improvements and hopefully that will help um, signage, but yeah, we'll see, you know, I mean, and like, and the other thing is that other Equal extension, you know, when that eventually is available that, and that provides an opportunity for people to bypass it. The, the unfortunate thing is that won't be done just yet. That That's still a couple of years before that, that project will be completed, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I will, I'm, 
eager to hear from people. We're, uh, we're getting emails and, you know, we'll be uh, having a hearing on Monday and collecting feedback and listening to the community and we'll see, so see what we, where we go from there. Yeah. And it's, it was one of the proposals that back in angled parking, like the Santa Barbara has by the beach. That's, mm -hmm. that seems like yeah. a challenge. I don't know. Um, yeah, if there's a bicycle, I don't know. We'll see how it works. But. Yeah, and that 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 is one of the options. Um, and then another option, um, actually, the one that staff in the report is recommending, and I'm not sure how I feel about this just yet. So we'll see. But would actually put angled parking in the middle of the street, so both sides of the street uh, would have angled parking. And if you've been to Pismo, Price Street in Pismo is uh, set up this way. So, and that, that proposal would actually add like 70 parking spaces to Old Town. So that would be a nice benefit. And that one would also separate the bike lane away from the cars as much as possible. It keeps the bike lane closest to the sidewalk. And then, but I know there are some, some concern about, and I have some questions about what that would look like having parking in the middle. So again, you know, there's a lot, no decisions have been made. We're still, you know, we're, we're, we're listening to people right now and we're going to have a good discussion on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at those maps. That sounds too, uh, way too risky for, for me. No, we'll see. Um, but I do like the, the bike path and the pathway uh, between Elwood and uh, uh, Camino Real there, the, the sidewalk extension of the bike path. I mean, that's great. It's on one side yeah. of the street and it's just so safe if you're, you know, a kid yeah. or walking or it's a multi-use path. That's really great. So, oh, and that reminds me, one other project in Old Town I didn't mention that we have funded that we're moving forward on is the bike path that will connect Old Town at, at Johnny D. Wallace Park, and it'll go along San Jose Creek and come up on Cairial on north of the freeway. So it'll follow the creek, go underneath the railroad tracks, underneath the freeway, and come up right around where um, Maravilla is. And I, I'm very excited about that as a resident of Old Town. I think it'll connect, you know, north and south of the freeway and provide, a, you know, uh, and, and also provide a real direct access for people that live north of the freeway to take the bike path. And eventually it'll end all the way down at Goleta Beach. So they'll be able to do a straight shot all the way down there. So digging underneath. Uh, Highway 101 to get. Well, there's already existing bridges there. And, and in fact, Caltrans is in the process of redoing those bridges and so part of what we're doing is timing our project with their project so that when they redo those bridges you know we'll make sure that you know it, um that's huge that, yeah it, it's a big project uh, but but we did get um a california active transportation program grant for it um that's going to fund a good part of it so it was, a, it was a good like i think 18 million dollar grant that we got from them mm -hmm. Uh, that's not, um, would that help kids who go to La Patera school? Um, would that, would, is that too, too far, I guess, or I don't know. Is Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know about the schools. Yeah. And like where the school boundaries are, yeah. but I mean, certainly the kids in old town got to go to La Patera. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's just, that's going to be a good uh, pathway definitely for, for bicyclists and pedestrians, I guess, to be able to, to, to go there. Uh, that, I'm interested in seeing what that looks like. Let's talk about uh, other stuff in Goleta. Uh, you had mentioned, is there a sales tax uh, increase proposed and, and for what? What's that all about? So, as you know, the city of Goleta has a revenue neutrality agreement with the county. So the 1% of sales tax that the city would otherwise get 
we share with the county. And, and so uh, we only get a portion of that. So, um, and, and the city has a, a lot of unfunded priorities. There's a lot of things that the city is planning to do that we wanna do. Um, there's fire station 10. Um, that we haven't, you know, uh, uh, figured out our financing for that yet, and and a lot of other prior priorities. We have over a hundred million dollars of of thing, unfunded, you know, things on our capital improvement project list that that we we're looking for, and so a sales tax would help us, you know, fit, you know, uh, fill in some of these uh, things, and we haven't decided yet. So when this came before the council two years ago. Um, we, you know, we need a supermajority to get it on the ballot. And at that point, we had three of the five of us uh, that voted to support putting it on the ballot. Um, um, but we need four. So, uh, so, uh, um, so we're going to be looking at it again. We've, we've gone through a lot of discussions about what different um, uh, revenue options there are. You know, the sales tax is one of them, but we looked at other ones. We looked at cannabis tax and, you know, changing or increasing that. Uh, we've looked at utility user tax and uh, other, there, there's business taxes. There's a lot of other ones that we looked at. This one seems to be the one that would be the most feasible and, and the most um, uh, provide, you know, a, a, the kind of funds that we're looking at, at needing. Um, so we'll be having a discussion about that uh, soon, I think maybe that might be on our, our meeting next week as well. Um, and our our discussion will be just whether to put it on the ballot or not. So you know, we're not voting whether or not to implement the tax. We're voting on whether or not we're going to let the voters decide. You know, and that was my argument last time: is that you know I, whether or not I support it or think that we should have it. I think the voters should have an opportunity to decide that. So so that's what hopefully we'll be looking at that and getting that on this year. And and with this sales tax, unlike the revenue neutrality agreement, we would get to keep one. 100% of the funds that would be raised from this. And so that 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 would all be staying in Goleta and you know we would be able to you know do with that you know what we have our priorities set for. Okay. Great. And uh, I want to talk about homelessness before we wrap up. Obviously Santa Barbara it's an ongoing persistent issue uh, in terms of how to deal with homeless services and uh, people who uh, you know congregate downtown and other places. Um, there may be an assumption uh, Galita doesn't have homeless issues. Um, obviously, we do have homeless problems. Uh, you know, one time I won't get into it, but I had to, I lost my keys. So I had to walk <laughs> to somewhere. And so it's funny, I walked from my house um, over the highway and there were these encampments, like in places where you would not think there would be encampments, uh, just people sort of setting up tents, you know, by DPI school, by the gas station there, um, anywhere there's vegetation, there's encampments. Um, we do see homeless people wherever there's retail, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But can you talk to me about Galita's efforts to uh, deal with this issue and what's ahead? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, it, it's a humanitarian crisis. You know, it's it's it, it's a failure of our community. The fact that we have people that are unhoused that are living in creeks and on the streets and and out there. And 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 you know, I I really feel like we need to do what we can to address this. So um, you know, uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2018 or so, um, we started 
planning for our homelessness strategic plan. And I was one of the proponents that, that you know, was out there saying that, you know, the city of Goleta has over time funded many different kinds of, uh, we've, we've given city grants and other CDBG funding to various nonprofits in the community that were, you know, dealing with homelessness. But at that point, until, you know, we didn't have a real overarching st strategy of like, well, what's our plan? You know, we're just kind of throwing money here. You know, people asked us for uh, a grant, a city grant. We gave some money. You know, we did. It was a very ad hoc thing that that wasn't very well coordinated. So last, so over a couple year process, we developed our homelessness strategic plan. Um, this was done with a great deal of public workshops and input and um, thought and, and planning. And so we passed this uh, last April, April of 2021. And that kind of sets our, you know, gives a roadmap for what our plan is. Like, so how, how are we going to deal with this strategically? And, and that's what, where we are right now. So we, we uh, recently hired um, uh, or, or we approved a homelessness um, analyst um, uh, in our planning and environmental review. So, so that's a, it's a homelessness support services coordinator position. Um, as you may have heard, um, uh, we also uh, contract with CityNed and they do outreach, I know, for the city of Santa Barbara, but, you know, we also have them. And, and these are like the boots on the ground. You know, these are the people actually out there, you know, connecting with the people and, and, and helping to connect them with the services that exist. You know, part of the problem is that services may exist, but these people don't know about them or aren't, you know, aren't connected to them. So, so you know, we're working with law enforcement, obviously. A lot of the homelessness challenges that we're dealing with is the dealing with multi jurisdictions. You know, we have Caltrans, we have the railroad, we have the county, we have the city of Santa Barbara, we have the city of Goleta. All of these, you know, are all, you know, connecting. And, you know, sometimes the the the, the challenge, you know, the the homelessness encampments may straddle some of these jurisdictional lines and so we need to have a coordinated response and so i think we're we're, we're finally getting to on that page now we're, we're, we're working together a lot better and we're having a more coordinated um response you may you i'm sure you also heard about the super eight um and this is this is a project that was led by the county housing authority um the city of goleta did contribute uh, six hundred thousand dollars of our arpa funds for this project um, but the main uh, funder was the, the state um, that that provided like $16 million um, to convert this. And so, and this was part of our plan. So I, like I said, we, we took several years to come up with the homelessness strategic plan. And, and one of the big pieces that was in the plan was, so, so, oh, hold on a second. Hey there. Hi there. <laughs> I'm being interviewed. <laughs> Um, and, and one of the big issues uh, that was identified was supportive housing, you know, um, and, and that's the kind of housing that this is going to be. This is going to be um, permanent supportive housing. These are people that it's not a homelessness shelter. It's not just people that are, are coming in from the street. These are people that are going to have a, a long term lease. They're going to be a residence of it. They're going to uh, the, the units are going to be converted from uh, ho hotel rooms to uh, studio apartments. You know, they're going to have kitchens and, and they're going to be and, and it's going to have an on site manager. So and, and there'll be actual supportive services that will exist there for them, you know, and you know, I, I know there are concerns about it, um, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, that 
the housing authority has been doing this and they have a model and they, 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 I think they have a good program where they've done it elsewhere. They've had great results. And I think that we'll see, you know, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. Of course, you know, there may be some hiccups and some setbacks along the way. We'll see, you know, I, I hope that, um, the, you know, the, the residents there are, uh, um, well-behaved, you know, and we want them to be good members of our community. But we're actually going to be taking a transient community, a hotel, motel, where there's people coming and going. They're not members of a community. And, and the people that are going to be living there now will be members of a community that, that will be, you know, uh, frequenting the businesses in the area, maybe employed at some of the businesses, and there'll be, uh, there'll be stability for them. So yeah. that's great. Much better than I know they were talking about um, Santa Barbara, about maybe like sort of a tent city doing yeah. sort of tents on their property and, in, in, you know, surrounded by Goleta. But um, I'm glad that this is happening because it's better for everyone in the community, especially the homeless population, because that's, you know, a much better living situation than yeah. the alternative. Yeah. And this isn't going to solve everything, you know, this isn't the end all be all, but it will be, it's a piece of the puzzle again, you know, there's a pipeline and, and this is, this, this isn't for just people that were living in the Creek yesterday that they're going to put there. You know, these are the, uh, anyone that's going to go into this, it has to go through the, um, the, the process. There's a, you know, um, the, you know, a coordinated entry process, you know, so that, that there's a whole system where they get evaluated and, you know, people are um, determined, you know, as candidates or, you know, who will be able to be in that. Because not everyone, you know, people, not everyone would be able to just go in there and, and be able to make it, you know, like the, the, it's a transition for them. So, and we're also doing other things, you know, like I said, we have the homelessness services coordinator position. We have, we, we give funding to the new beginnings counseling center for their safe parking and rapid rehousing um, program, the showers of blessing, which provides, you know, uh, showers uh, uh, facilities for homeless. Um, you know, we have the $75,000 that we gave to the um, county's emergency housing voucher program, you know, so there are a lot of other things that we're doing as well. These are all part of part of the bigger picture. Well, Kyle Richards, I really appreciate your time and uh, taking an hour here out of your busy day to talk about all of these uh, really important Kalita issues. They call it the good land and rightfully so, because it is, uh, doesn't get as much attention as Santa Barbara, but um, we live here, so that's what matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, sometimes it bothers me that we don't get the attention that Santa Barbara gets, but a lot of times I'm really happy that we don't. You know, <laughs> I every time I send you an email, you're like, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep the focus on Santa Barbara. You know, we're just doing our thing. Our community loves it here, and you know, that's what we care about. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but I mean, I think the message is that. Kalita's does a lot of good stuff. It does a lot of the same stuff Santa Barbara does. It's a smaller population, of course, but we're right in the center of the universe too. You know, we got the university right here and we got the airport and we're Galita and we got all this development and tech. We didn't Driving talk tech about industry. That. Yep. Yeah. All, all of that. So Galita's we have a lot definitely. going for us. Yeah. And I know you don't do the Lemon Festival. I think that's the chamber. I'm not sure, but I'm yeah. hoping the Lemon Festival comes back because that's. I believe it is. I, I heard that at Gersh Park meeting that they're going to be having it again this year. So yeah, yeah. so maybe I'll, maybe I'll run into you out there uh, when that happens. But uh, well, thanks, thanks so a lot, much, Josh. It's great to be with you today. Thanks a lot for the time to do this. Yeah. Have a great day. Take care. Good.